Welcome back to the channel. On August 8, 2022, the Federal Bureau of Investigation served a search warrant on the Florida home of former President Donald Trump. There's a lot of very odd things being said about that. Let's take a look at what it's really all about. The Dr. Reality Vodcast with Dave Champion. The allegations that gave rise to the warrant are twofold. First is President Trump's and now former President Trump handling of official presidential records, which is a specific legal thing in the Presidential Records Act. It is alleged that documents and other materials that should have, under the law, been placed in the possession of the National Archivist instead were taken by Trump to his Florida home. If true, that would, in fact, be a violation of the Presidential Records Act. The second allegation is that former President Trump removed classified documents from the custody of the United States government and took them to his residence in Florida. So what is the Presidential Records Act? It's a federal statute that was enacted in the wake of <laughs> Watergate and Nixon to make sure that the records created by a sitting president are defined as the property of the United States, and upon leaving office, those records have to go into the possession of the National Archive. They have to be turned over to the National Archivist. Now, without going too deep into the Presidential Records Act. From now on, I'm just going to call it the PRA. Without going too deeply into the PRA, because there's a lot of different elements to it, the primary element is that it, two primary elements. Number one, it defines that presidential records are the property of the United States, where before that, that was questionable, and a lot of presidents asserted that records actually belonged to them. So in 1981, Congress passed a statute, the then president signed it into law, and so now, in law, the records created by a sitting president become the property of the United States. They are not the property of the individual sitting in the Oval Office. Another significant element of the PRA is that it places the responsibility for getting presidential, official presidential records from the president to the archivist. That responsibility is, under the statute, the responsibility of the president. And that makes sense, because who knows more about that president creating things that fall into the definition of, of official presidential records than the guy who's doing it day in and day out? The president. So, logically and rationally, Congress put the responsibility on the president. Pretty sure you can all connect the dots on the official presidential records and the Presidential Records Act. If Donald Trump was obligated to take official presidential records and hand them over to the archivist when he left the White House, but didn't and took them back to his home in Florida, that's a violation of the PRA, so I won't belabor that. I do, however, want to say a word about the allegation that Trump took classified documents from the White House to his home in Florida. Here's the thing about that. Presidents, when they leave office, have about the highest security clearance of anyone on the planet. And that is for the purpose that they may be called upon to review documents and discuss classified operations and so forth, even after they've left office. So it's in the best interest of the United States that the president retains a very high clearance level so that he can support the goals and interests of the United States moving forward, if need be, even after he's left office. 
However, and as far as the allegation, this is a huge however. No former president has the right to remove classified documents from the custody of the United States government and take them to his own home or put them in his own car or give them to a subordinate. No ex-president has that authority. And if the allegation is true, that is a significant violation of law. Although not relevant to the warrant that was just served on former President Trump's home in Florida, Maggie Haberman, who is a Pulitzer Prize-winning reporter now working for the New York Times, has featured the fact that Donald Trump was known to make notes during meetings, and after the meeting, tear up the notes and go to a nearby toilet and throw the, the torn-up notes in the toilet. There are literally photographs of torn-up pieces of paper with the tech side up, floating in the water of a toilet, and the handwriting on the paper is that of Donald Trump. In addition to those photographs, a number of people who were closely with Donald Trump during the time that he was in the Oval Office said, yes, he would do that fairly often. That practice is almost certainly a violation of the Presidential Records Act. Unless, of course, during the meeting when everybody was handling world affairs, he was writing down, I don't know, a recipe for muffins. But if the notes were relevant to what was being discussed in the meeting, then tearing them up and throwing them in the toilet would be a violation of the PRA. As you can imagine, the left thinks that the FBI serving a search warrant on Donald Trump's home in Florida is an absolutely fabulous thing. And of course, the right then has pulled out and dusted off one of Trump's famous, infamous mantras. It's a witch hunt. One of the oddest claims that the FBI uh, served that warrant for these particular issues on Donald Trump's home because they are trying to get him disqualified from running for president in the 2024 election. And that's based on Title 18, United States Code, Section 2071, which is entitled Concealment, Removal, or Mutilation Generally, and reads in its relevance part as follows. Whoever having custody of any such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, removes being relevant to the warrant, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall be fined under this title or imprisoned not more than three years or both, and shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. Close quote. That disqualification provision is what some expositors in the writer using to hang their hat on to explain why the FBI executed a search warrant at Donald Trump's home in Florida. Okay, so first, Section 2071 is part of a larger group of statutes pertaining to government records and reports generally, not the Presidential Records Act specifically. Second, the disqualification provision cannot be applied to Donald Trump or any candidate running for president because the requirements for that are found in the United States Constitution in Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5, which reads as follows. The president must be at least 35 years of age, be a natural-born citizen, and must have lived in the United States for at least 14 years. 
When I say that the disqualification provision of 2071 cannot be applied to a candidate running for president, that is the prevailing view of constitutional scholars across the nation. That's based on the notion, the theory, the doctrine, that since the qualifications to run for president, to win perhaps, and to serve as president are specified in the United States Constitution, you just heard them, and that Congress then has no authority to come along behind the Constitution and say, except if you were convicted of this or you committed that violation or so forth. In other words, the understanding is if we the people want to elect as president somebody who has been convicted of a violation of law or multiple violations of law because we think that person is best suited to be the chief executive of the federal government, then we can. And Congress cannot tell we the people, no, you can't elect the person you think best. Let me put an even finer point on this. If somebody who wanted to run for president had been indicted for a crime, had been tried for that crime, had been convicted for that crime, and was sitting in prison at the time he was running for president, and the people of the United States elected that person to be president, and that person was sitting in a jail cell and had quite some time to go before they would complete their sentence, that person would have to be sworn in as president. So with all that said, just as an intellectual exercise, what would happen if Donald Trump was indicted for a violation of the PRA and or removing classified documents from the custody of the United States government, stood trial, and was convicted by a jury? What would happen then if he announced he wanted to run for office? As I said, the prevailing wisdom in the majority of constitutional scholars across the nation is that could not stop Donald Trump or, or any president in a similar situation from running for president, perhaps winning, and if winning, getting sworn in as president. Now, with that said, you can bet in this hypothetical scenario we're discussing now, if Donald Trump were convicted, there would be lawsuits all across the country by those who opposed Donald Trump attempting to make sure he could not get on the ballots of the states of the union based on the disqualification provision of 2071, which we discussed a few moments ago. Now, I'm confident that the courts would rule exactly what we discussed here, that 2071 is not applicable to any elected office, the qualifications for which appear in the Constitution. But despite the high likelihood of that being the outcome, you can bet your rear end that that claim would be litigated across the country and possibly all the way to the Supreme Court. I don't know whether the legal ins and outs of this kind of thing are enjoyable to you or intriguing to you, but they have been to me my whole life. That eventually caused me to write income tax shattering the myths, which tackles the most complex area of U.S. law, income tax law. And it lays out the law from 1895 all the way through to this very moment in a clear way that every single American can understand and incontrovertibly proves that Congress has never imposed the income tax on the ordinary American. The kind of person gets up in the morning, cup of coffee, a little breakfast, gets the kids off to school, goes to work, earns a living. Congress has never imposed the income tax on that ordinary American. 
But from a 60-year propaganda campaign, a disinformation campaign, a massive disinformation campaign by the United States government, uh, gosh, the vast majority of the American public falsely (laughs) believes that to be true. So if you'd like to see what the law says with your own eyes, instead of just listening to what other people tell you, here's a hint. They haven't read the law either. If you would like to be the expert in the room, if you would like to see the law with your own two eyes, when I say the expert in the room, I'm I'm not joking. When you're done and close the final, it's 400 pages approximately, when you close the final page of Income Tax Shattering the Mess, and by the way, people describe it as a fascinating, fun read. They often describe it as, as a mystery where you know who done it, but boy, it sure is exciting to see how they did it. And it's more exciting to learn that you now have the entire thing figured out. But back to the expert in the room. When you close that final page of income tax shattering the mess, it doesn't matter whether you're sitting in a room with a bookkeeper, with an accountant, with a tax attorney, you will be the expert in the room. And I know that might seem hard to believe, but you can anybody who's read Income Tax Shattering Miss will tell you that. They will tell you they can sit down with any of those people, all the way up to a tax attorney. They can sit down and say, tell me what the answer to this is. The tax attorney can't answer or answers it incorrectly. It has to get corrected by the person who's read Income Tax Shattering Miss. And on and on it goes. So if you want to be that guy, by the way, I just heard a, an adage the other day that I thought was really intriguing. It goes like this. Warriors confront the evil most people refuse to acknowledge. I'll share that with you again. Warriors confront the evil most people refuse to acknowledge. If you would consider the United States government running a massive disinformation campaign for 60 years in order to commit the largest financial crime in the history of the world against you and the other 330 million Americans who don't owe a penny to the government because they earn a living, if you consider that evil, are you a warrior? Are you a punk? If you're a warrior, I want to encourage you to go to drreality.news, drreality.news. Grab yourself a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Mist. You have my word. It will be one of the most fascinating, intriguing, enjoyable books you will Okay, wait a second. When I say enjoyable, I want... <laughs> Since I'm giving you my word, I want to be clear. When I say enjoyable, it is going to piss you off. But in the end, you're going to be thrilled that you read it. And by purchasing a copy of Income Tax Shattering the Myths, or perhaps Body Science, or anything else that I've written that's on the site, you help me to continue to be here for you with these kind of presentations. Thank you.